back to another episode of the In On The Act podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Alice. And this week, we're delving into what it's really like to work in the limelight in some of the onstage jobs in theatre. Like last week, where we discussed backstage theatre jobs, we're going to be talking to Storyhouse's own staff and getting inside details of what it's really like to work under the audience's eye. Today, we'll be talking to Tessa Walker, the Storyhouse director. Esther Johnson. And Josh Leach from the show Blue Stockings performed in Storyhouse last season. They're joining us today to talk about what it's like to work in the industry and give us some tips and tricks on how you could break in. What's your what's been your journey in the arts so far? Well, what has been my journey in the arts so far? So I way, way, way back, I started getting involved with theatre because I went to a brilliant new theatre. So a, a little bit like the kind of work that you're probably involved with at Storyhouse, it sort of introduced me to just what theatre was really and what it took to put shows on. And prior to that, like I had been to the theatre, but mainly to see things like pantos and stuff. So it wasn't a thing that was particularly in my life. And um, and I went to a youth theatre where you could do anything. So you could act or you could design lights or you could learn about sort of how technical theatre works. So it was a really broad and brilliant introduction to all the things that theatre could be. And then I went to, and that was the thing that inspired me to go to university. And I went to university to study drama because I kind of loved acting, but I was absolutely awful. Like I was a dreadful actor. And I look back now and think, if I could mess around on stage and get people to laugh, that was the only thing I wanted to do. And I came to realise quite quickly that's not always what's necessary or needed. So I sort of went to I went to university and I did a drama degree at Kent University. And it was there that I sort of started directing work. And I don't know what that programme is now, but when I was there, you did four years. And in the fourth year, you specialised. And I specialised in theatre directing. And I directed lots of plays that had been written by friends of mine and it was there that my sort of love of an interest in new writing grew so when I left university I knew that that's what I wanted to do it took quite a long time to get around to, to sort of doing that because like now it's very difficult to start working in the arts so I did loads and loads and loads of other jobs and lots of stuff for free on the side and and then just bit by bit began to sort of direct direct work never really earning any money of it out of it for years and years and my first proper job was I was the assistant director I was an assistant director at Soho Theatre and what was brilliant about Soho Theatre then and now is that it had a real commitment to writers so I met loads of brilliant writers I ran loads of writers workshops and I directed lots of new work and then sort of from there and this has been the shape of my working life, really. I've spent time both as a freelancer and in building. So I went to Soho, then I became a freelancer. I directed lots of plays. Then I was a literary director at Payne's Plough, which is a very small but brilliant new writing company. Then I left again to be freelance. I did a, a period of time at covering some maternity leave at the National Theatre of Scotland. I then went freelance again. And until last year, I was an associate director at Birmingham Rep. And last summer left to go freelance and really my interest has always been in new work but at Birmingham because Birmingham is such a massive multiple theatre I directed lots of Christmas shows I did community work I did a lot of work with our youth theatre but I also set up and ran lots of our artist development work and lots of our work in communities so my interest has always been about making work but also about facilitating other people to do that so I suppose you could also say that I'm also a dramaturg, which is a word that I find tricky because I just think it sounds horrible. It's like a really spiky little word. And I don't think it quite means here what it means in Europe. It sort of basically means working with writers but and helping them with their plays in a really sort of simple way. But I've done a lot of that with theatre makers and supportive processes as a dramaturg, uh, working with choreographers and various other artists who aren't necessarily writers. So I both make my own work and also have been involved in supporting other people to make theirs. Um, and then this year I would have done a, a number of productions, all of which have been shifted around to various other times now because the pandemic. So that's very garbled and very swift overview of how I find, I've come to find myself where I am now. What was the word you said you called yourself? A dramaturg. Dramaturg. Ooh. I know, I know, but it sounds really funny. You know. it, it sounds really like European. Very... Yeah. And when I first started out, people didn't use that word. They just said, oh, I work in literary. And now it is a word. And actually, people, there are uh, full time jobs 
for dramaturgs in, in theatres, and, and and that's not uh, and and that's not always about just supporting writers' work. It's about the European dramaturg is a bit more like a producer, and here it's basically plays, but it just sort of feels like a bit more of an elegant word. But it does make me makes me cringe a little bit. And I don't know why. That's my problem, and not the, the word itself. No, I like it. It's yeah. like brings a spice. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Do feel free to use it. I mean, just call. I us. will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my journey began, I went to youth theatre in probably like till 2011 and um, I have been going to youth theatres ever since. Um, at the moment I go to Storyhouse Young Company, which is how I got involved in their production this March of Blue Stockings, playing Tess. Um, so I'm primarily an actor, um, although Storyhouse has provided me with workshops. So we did writing workshops and more movement based workshops and I'm not the strongest mover. Uh, so like it was really useful to like get involved in that and um and just do something a bit out of my comfort zone and explore different pathways such as the movement and writing and I really found myself in the writing and I've continued it and yeah um I just enjoy it a lot um but yeah so this year I'm applying to drama school for the millionth time um but yeah it's just um like learning monologues and yeah I think it's it's just been a bit of a like it's been a kind of rocky journey and I think it is hard for like young people to kind of find their footing but for like I think it's just like it's just like meeting other young people and stuff that like and kind of being around other like-minded individuals that kind of like pushes you through and you kind of move and yeah, find out, find your kind of group. <laughs> no, I get it. And I saw Blue Stockings as well and it was really oh. good. So. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it was good. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so mine is a bit weird to be fair. Um, so I never really had much of an interest in theatre and um, when I was younger like I used to always be into football sports all of that shabam and um, then it got to like I think I did one as a, like a scout show so it was like a scout gang show and I just thought you know what my sister's gonna go into it so I'll go into it and um, so it was a little little tiny matador dressed in the small like the weirdest costume singing about a little white bull um, and so I did that as just something stupid that was going on. Um, and then I, I, I sort of enjoyed it. So I joined like a Saturday drama group that literally was just, you go to, you have a bit of a mess about. That was all it was really. And then I met Haley, and Haley obviously dragged me across to her youth theatre, um, kicking and screaming. I'm joking. It wasn't. Um, but obviously, yeah, so I went across to that youth theatre and um, I was there from about the age of 11 up to about the age of 16, 17, um, if not longer than that. Um, so then I think the main the main turning point for me was I accidentally auditioned for the school musical, um, was just singing in the drama theatre as a, as a mess about and accidentally auditioned for the school musical. So ended up with the main part and was like, oh, this this is good. I enjoy this. Um, so then obviously did, did drama through year 10, through year 11 at school. Um, literally doing the school musicals and decided I wanted to go to college, did it at college and had the battles with my parents as normal, which is I want to just go and do performing arts. And they were like, go and do an A-level, go and do lots of things, spread your, spread everything across. Um, but I was convinced that it was just going to be drama. Um, and then I think when it comes to choosing unis, I think my dad was more excited than I was because um, he'd seen how many like different opportunities I'd got to do with college because college were like you can do lights you can do sound you can do dance drama everything like that um, and it just completely opened my eyes to uh, how much there actually is out there to do and um, so then I went to uni spent three years doing uni at Liverpool doing drama and dance um, and it was just I think uni was was hard because I went through a lot of injuries and stuff like that at uni so I tore my Achilles a lot of things like that um, so I had to go through and learn different ways of being able to do different things. So like being able to choreograph while sat down and not being able to show people how to do it and stuff like that. 
Um, so it's just a lot of like, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and you have to, I don't think people realize how much you have to put into them at the same time. Um, so yeah, and then I've, ever since I graduated uni, I was a bit sort of like, ah, what do we do now? Because um, as soon as you graduate uni, you're sort of on your own a little bit, or it felt like I was on my own a little bit because I didn't really have any which way to go. Um, and then ended up at the story house doing quite a bit at the story house um, ended up doing blue stockings. Um, so playing Billy and blue stockings was quite fun. Um, and then obviously I was just starting to get on the right track or I had meetings with agents and stuff like that, but obviously it all got help put on hold with the pandemic and everyone going, uh, we can't hire new people because we haven't got the money to hire the people that we've got at the minute. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's just, going about it now and trying to get it all kick-started after we get all started back up after this pandemic. Your life sounds like a glee plot line, being like, (laughs) (laughs) like put in the school show because you were heard singing in the drums. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, Also, my neighbours are setting off fireworks and being really annoying. So if in any of my, when I speak, it's like, you just hear that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Alice has got the next question, so... Yeah. So the next question is, what sort of things have you worked on in the past, specifically stuff that you are most proud of? Oh, it's really difficult. That's a really difficult question because you, um, I, um, in terms of the stuff that uh, I'm most proud of. So like I said before, because my, my um, when I started out in theatre, I mean, you know, when I sort of knew that I wanted to be a director, because my primary interest was um, new writing, um, that uh, I did a lot of that for many, many years. And I was really adamant that I just didn't, I wanted to work with writers. I wanted to work with living writers. I, want to work, I wanted to work on plays that had never been done before. And I did that for a, for a fairly long time. And then I remember the first time I worked without a writer, how weird that felt, because the process is really completely different. And not necessarily better or worse, but it's just a very, very different process when you're working on a play that has been done many, many times before, as opposed to your you being the first group of people that have ever met that play and ever put it in front of an audience and ever made it come to life. So the first part of my working life, I suppose, was very new writery. And it began to change when I went to Birmingham, actually, because Birmingham is a big multiple theatre, has three enormous spaces, and it's in a huge, diverse city. The programme of work we did there was really 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 varied which meant I did huge Christmas shows that the, the stage at Birmingham is the second biggest in the country after the Olivier so it's apps which is the biggest theatre in the National Theatre down here in London it's absolutely massive so prior to that really I'd done lots of small pieces of work in studio spaces um, and there I did work that was just on a much bigger scale um, so that that's the sort of work I've made, I guess. And I've done shows with, with people who are not professional actors. I've done a fair bit of community work, which I really love. Um, and I've done a fair bit of youth theatre, which I've always, I, which i always really adored working with young people. So it, it really the last seven or eight years have been quite varied in that respect. And it's really hard to think of the pieces of work that I'm proudest of, because in a funny way, I feel like I'm both very proud of every piece of work I've made, but also absolutely believe that every piece of work I've made could be much better. So I have, I sit in a funny place and I, I think that's probably quite common of, of, it's very difficult to see your own work because all I ever watch when I'm watching my own plays is what might go wrong, what I haven't done, every note I didn't give, every moment that isn't played. You understand what's happening backstage and that's petrifying because so many things could go wrong. So you can never really meet it with a kind of, with the eyes of an audience, not really, because so much of yourself is in it, so much of whatever the process was. So uh, it's, I felt that's me being really sort of slippy and trying to get out of answering the question, but I I can't really think of pieces of work that I've been prouder of than others because I, because one's own relationship to, to one's own work is quite, I've come to discover is quite complicated in a funny way. I mean, if I think about things I've done over the last few years, uh, I'll try, well, just trying to answer your question properly. Um, uh, I did a production of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when I was at Birmingham. And I don't know if you know the story, but it's very, 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 very old fashioned. And um, 
you know, Aslan's supposed to be Jesus, which is, regardless of one's uh, uh, religious beliefs, is tricky. Um, all the children in it are insufferably posh. Susan cries for no reason. She just is always crying. And I just thought, I cannot put this in front of an audience in Birmingham in 2018. But how do you do that? How do you make it feel like it's for now without changing one word, which you're not allowed to do? And, and I think myself and the team I work with managed to do that, managed to make it feel like real kids on a real adventure, managed to sidestep some of the very clunky um, religious overtones. Um, and we managed to negotiate around that and make something that felt really that sort of did honour to that original story, but also felt like it could be watched by a load of school kids in Birmingham in, in you know, 2017, 2018, and it could feel like it would maybe speak to them. So I'm very proud of that for that. And then for other pieces of work I'm proud of because they're the first piece of work by, um, by a writer who I love, or it's, uh, I'm working on a piece of work at the moment, which sounds incredibly grim and depressing, but it's quite the opposite, which is a piece of work called The Glad Game by a young woman who was last year diagnosed with um, an incurable brain tumor. And she's a performer and she wants to make a piece of work about it. And, and in theory that's happening in Nottingham next year, depending on what happens in the world. So I'm very, very, very proud of that because I've been a part of, we've made, you know, finding out how you tell that story. So those are some examples, but it would be disingenuous not to say that I am proud of all of that work, but I also genuinely think you always see all the things you could have done. It's like you watch it and alongside seeing it, you see a list of all the skipped opportunities, all the things it could have been. So it's it's very hard. It's very hard, I think, to, to really see what's good or bad about your own work. Thank you, that was really interesting. I did not know Aslan was supposed to be Jesus. Uh -huh. <laughs> I would have to say one of my highest points was definitely Blue Stockings. Uh, it was my first professional role. It's in my hometown of Chester. And it was so nice to be able to work with other young people, either who I'd worked with before in Young Story House or um, worked, worked alongside in other youth theatre productions and it was just incredible to see everyone develop uh, through that process and um, kind of mature in a way and I'm definitely proud of it because um, I mean you know there's been no theatre since-ish I guess um, and then I like I'm I'm proud of everything I've done at Storyhouse because um, with Young Storyhouse we do devised shows and I think it's just so it's it's one of those where um like tessa was saying you're the first people to ever put it on your it's your work you've kind of worked with it and you've molded it and so it's it's not like anyone's kind of got any kind of um preconceptions of what it's going to be it's kind of they go and it's just kind of open-minded like okay cool and whatever you put on it's going to be fantastic because you know you've all created it and it's I love the collaborative process and seeing people bounce off each other and it's great coming together as an ensemble through that process and especially you do go through bits where you're kind of iffy and thinking oh god where's this going what's going to happen is it going to work and when you hit that end mark you and you hit like a kind of piece you are so immensely proud because you've come such a long way from kind of the like the top of devising and just kind of here's a like here's an idea here's a concept and then you develop like a full storyline and the kind of staging and everything and it's just seeing all that kind of come together it's it is immense um yeah I just I'd have to say that I I've done devising with other youth theatres and I think it's um I think it is just one of those where you do, it does bring out the best in people um, because everyone's, everyone wants the same goal. Everyone wants to put on something that's fantastic at the end of the day and everyone wants to be proud of what they've done. And so you do end, you end up with a really unique piece of theatre because everyone has put a bit of themselves into it, if that makes sense. Um, so it's, it's like a really personal thing and it's, it's hard to walk away from eventually. Like when you finish and you kind of go, oh my God, I can't believe it's over because that was su it's such a big part of your life for so long. And another high point I'd have to say is 
and this is going to sound really weird, tech week. So I thought I was going to absolutely hate that when we were doing blue stockings, but I loved it. Like we had like all day in a theatre. And I've like my, when I went to secondary school, it got to a point where we were in sick form and the art to be in sidelined. It was kind of, no, no, you need to do science. You need to do maths. And we were all there doing drama. Like this isn't fair. This isn't fair on us. And teachers were trying to convince us not to do the school play. They're going, it's going to bring your grades down. And it, for me, it was such a big part of my life being in the arts and for them to sideline it and say, Oh, it doesn't matter as much as this was really hurtful. So to like, to then get to go from kind of that and then go into a theatre for like 10, 11 hours and just be there all day. Oh my God, what a thing. Like it was so good. And, you know, you'd be around other like-minded individuals and everyone was in the same boat. You know, if you were tired, you were all tired, but you'd all like bring each other on. And it was just that energy that like, I don't like, I don't think you would get that in like, in like any other job. And it like you'd get to a kind of point of insanity where you're like anything would be funny and it was just like they'd be like can we just rerun that and they'd turn the lights off and they'd shout going dark and you'd all be like Whoa, just laughing at absolutely nothing but you were so like you were so buzzing and so so tired at the same time that like you were on a kind of you're on a level that you will you'll never be at unless you're you're you know you're doing those kind of days but yeah immense oh my god what an experience <laughs> yeah thank you I saw Blue Stockings I think I saw maybe like the first show and it was really really good oh good <laughs> um yeah so it is quite hard like like everyone said it's quite hard to choose one particular moment or like one thing that you're actually really proud of um because I think especially the, the thing is with doing shows is like they become quite a big chunk of your life of that year so like with blue stockings we were t- we were together from like october all the way through to march and like it doesn't seem that long but when you're spending every single day with the same like 20 people like they i, I honestly could uh, like admit that i saw them a lot more than i saw any member of my family um and it just sort of becomes a little family at the same time so like every time you're on stage like no matter if anything's going wrong or anything like that, you know that the people on the stage have got you back at the same time. Um, so, yeah, and I think like, I honestly couldn't pick one moment, but I think that the, the best moment for me as an actor is at the end of a show when, and it's going to sound really big-headed, but obviously when everyone stood up clapping or, like, clapping for you at the end, like, there's no feeling that i found ever that matches that like having a crowd stand up and or sit down or whatever they're doing um, and clapping. It's just, there's, there's absolutely no feeling like it. Um, and like, it's just such the, a big adrenaline rush that you get. And even at, you're at the end of the show, like you're going to go home and wipe all your makeup off and all that sort of stuff. And like, but knowing that you, you can look at the rest of the cast and just go, yeah, we've done that. Like, that's what makes me tick. It's the best way to go, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the applause is good, but I like going through the programme and finding everyone's names and finding your own name and being like, that's me, that's me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> okay, so you kind of answered, uh, Josh kind of answered the this question in the first answer, but did you always want to go into theatre? I mean, yes, I did, really. But from the second that I discovered it at Youth Theatre... And it's so interesting hearing, like hearing Josh and Esther speak about it. My experience was exactly the same. I just felt like I have found my gang and my gang has changed a lot over the years, but it was a place where I, I and I still do now, it is my home. And I remember so vividly, it's so interesting hearing you both talk about it because I remember vividly that feeling when shows were over and it is literally the worst feeling in the world. I remember lying face down on my bed and like weeping for days because this, because you create, you do create this family. You have, you're part of this incredible community. And I think actors feel it really profoundly because you're doing it again and again and again, and you have to be with each other and you have to have each other's back and you have to um, work together in a job that is, so many jobs in theatre when you pick them apart are absolutely ludicrous and you're in that um and you're just in that moment together and it's so precious and um and and I think it's 
it's unreplicatable. That's probably a word that I've made up, but I don't know. And I don't want to be dismissive of any other jobs or any other choices that people might make in terms of the roles that they end up fulfilling in life or in theatre but I think there is something so special about theatre so yes I did I really wanted to as soon as I was part of my youth theatre I was like this is what I want to do and, it, and I didn't really want to be an actor not really because I didn't think I knew what I wanted to do but I knew that this thing whatever this thing that theatre was giving me was the thing that I wanted to always, always, always have in, in in my life. And I know a lot of people who have theatre in their life and do other jobs. So it may be that I would have just always had that in my life and got a job doing something else that wasn't what ended up happening. But I suppose there is a version where that may well have, have happened. So, um, so yeah, what it was and, and, and it continues to be. And I've been doing it for quite a long time now. I can't imagine doing anything else. I, mean, I don't want to I don't want to work in TV. I don't want to work in film. I just really genuinely love theatre. And I think... And, it, and I think one of the reasons I love it so much is because I went to a brilliant new theatre and, you know, all of us here, it is a hymn to the importance of youth theatres and the importance for young people having access to the arts because it gives you something so special. And I've been lucky enough to have a career out of it, but even if I hadn't have done, it would have been an incredibly important there's no experience that's as important, I don't think, as those things that you learn, like really fundamental things about yourself and each other and about what it is to be part of something bigger than yourself, which we all need to learn at the moment, just don't we, um, that is so valuable. Um, so yes, I did always want to do it and I hope I'm doing it for another 20 years. I think even at like the point where me and Alice are, where we are just still in like youth theatre groups, the theatre's got like such a togetherness about it with everyone, even just watching shows, it's just like a sparkly yeah. feeling. I love it. It. <laughs> it is the thing that we you know, one of the... Um, I've been back to the theatre a few times recently since, uh, before them being closed again and sat in socially distanced audiences and the feeling of being back in a space with other, with other human beings, being told a story by another human being is extraordinary and I, and I appreciate it so much more recently because we've not had it. So there is something about whether or not you become, I know lots of people from youth theatre who went on to do many, many, many other things, but that thing about being part of something and being a very important part of a whole and having to think about yourself in that but also other people it is incredible and you you know and you find those places like with story house for all of you that's really like a home it really is isn't it and it does feel like a family with all the brilliant things and all the complicated things that can come with families actually it's not always straightforward and that's also okay so I'm really glad that you all have that because I think it will stay with you forever whatever it is that you end up doing I think yeah you become like a little family when you do a show because you because you're with you're rehearsing with them for so long you just gather inside jokes and then you just become best friends yeah and I I'm um you know I went to youth theatre quite a long time ago and I'm still very good friends with the people I went to youth theatre with and it was because we got we get on but it was because those experiences exactly that of like being in really and it probably is the same with being part of football teams or something as well isn't it that's a probably a similar having said it's not it can't be replicated it probably can in in those in anything that requires you to be part of a group I think yeah um I pretty much did always want to go into theatre there's a brief stage in when we started learning about space in year three and I thought I could be an astronaut but um that was not going to happen so um here I am at Story House um NASA still hasn't taken me but um we move. Um, so yeah, I always wanted to go into theatre and when I, so when I was um, about 11 or 12 and I started my first youth theatre, um, which was just a local one in Chester and my auntie saw an advert for it in the paper and was like, oh, you should go. And I turned up and I met my best friend of going on 10 years now. And um, it all started because we both went to that and it is that shared experience. We were there for a good five years together and we went to school together as well. So we, we did bond a lot over our shared love of theatre and like with youth theatre, obviously you take trips to theatre, you, you know, you go see stuff together and it's maybe not something you could do with just like your average group of friends. So I, I know for a fact, I, there's some of my friends, I wouldn't be like, Hey, let's go to the theatre today. I'd, but you know you'd go out for a meal you'd do whatever but it's just it's seeing that and being um and just it's a kind of shared experience even if it is through someone else's eyes you're watching it and it's it's I think it's so important for live theatre to continue because 
it's it's so different from television and film and it's a different experience being in the auditorium, being in the audience, you look at the the work that's going on and you are just mesmerized. Like you can, when you're at home, you've got Netflix, you, one, you struggle what to watch and you, you know, you can go on your phone, you can get distracted when you're in the theater, it's, you're completely focused and there's always something that you, you can go and see it and you can, you can just focus and you'll be like, oh my God. And then, you know, you could go see the same show again and again. And I have because I'm sad. Um, but I like, and I'm like, you'll spot stuff that you didn't spot the first time. And you're like, oh my God, like there's so much more to unpack. And and then it, when it's over, you're like, oh my God, it can never be, um, you know, it will never be like it was just then. It will never be this experience with this group of people in this venue. And it's just such a it's just such um it, there is such a feeling of togetherness like like Tessa was saying it's like it's incredible because it's, it's wow <laughs> I've so lost for words <laughs> no it's just it's just wow that's all you need to say <laughs> pretty much it's like, like like we've said about the same show over and over and over because like I've seen the same shows over and over and over and every single time there's something different. It's just, oh, you don't get that when you watch a film because it's always No, it, it is just, it's it's just like, even if the actor does something just slightly different, when you watch yeah, a film, it's just you know it's going to be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Or like, you know, they, you see like a look between two actors and you go, oh, oh they didn't do that the other night. different everything. And it's just, oh, it can't be like, recreated like Hamilton on Disney Plus isn't the same as Hamilton Live but that's not, not at all story. Um, so yeah so obviously I answered this before basically um, so mine um, like I said didn't really appeal to me as a kid I was more fussed about rolling in the mud because I'm weird um, but yeah it was basically like, like I said it was just a bit of fun more than anything else for me that was all it was it was I was going to youth theatre hanging out with some people that I got along with and yeah we were putting on a show at the end of it that just what it what it was and then obviously as I got older that was when it started to actually hit that I, I actually enjoy this and I might actually look at doing it as a career even when I was at college I wasn't 100% convinced I was going to do it as a career um I was just like I'm just really enjoying seeing where it's going having a great time and then I think once I'd done a good few shows during college with the youth theatre because um, we had a, a, a group in the youth theatre which um, would put on actual shows um, instead of devised shows. So obviously we um, did a show called Corum Boy, which went down really well. Um, and it was like that feeling that just like of putting on big shows, doing a lot of other things, um, just obviously started to carry me through. And then I think once I decided to do it at uni, that was when I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Um, so like I said, I, it was quite late for me. Um, so I must have been like 16, 17 when I actually decided it was something that I might want to do. I've been dancing since I was a little kid. I'd done like street dance classes, all of that sort of stuff for fitness. Um, since I was like 11, I've been going to youth theatre since I was 11. But obviously for me, it was just fun. I never really saw it as a career every new thing just adds to the glee storyline we've got now <laughs> the british glee character i'll take it i'll take it it's not an insight it's a compliment okay so our next question is uh, have there been any particular highs or lows of your time in the arts you'd want someone wanting to go into the field to know before they start um oh it's such a brilliant question i don't know if i've got a very good answer to it i mean it feels like it's sort of full of highs and lows in a, in a in a way, and that makes it sound. I worry when you say things like that for people who don't work in theatre, they just think, "Oh, look at those theatrical types with their highs and the lows." Do you know what I mean? So I don't. I'm really cautious about. I'm, I'm really cautious about using language like that to describe it. But I think my experience of being a director is moments of like complete joy when something works or it's received well and I don't mean in terms of reviews I mean when you can feel in an audience people engaging with the story that you're telling is just an incredible feeling and but there are days when well there's a number of things you have to manage you have to manage a very irregular career 
that is hard to get into, that, um, that is really inconsistent. Um, and then you have to manage the lows you can hit when you're making something and it's not working. Because I've definitely done shows that when you've done a couple of previews and it hasn't worked, you know, and you have to make huge changes and that's your fault if you're the director, you know, you have to take that responsibility regardless of whatever might have been, um, challenges you might have faced. You can't stand up in front of an audience and say that, do you know what I mean? I had a couple of, of off days last week, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you just can't, there's, so there's, so in a, in a way it's, it's really joyous, but it can also be really, 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 really challenging so in terms of I would say to be really realistic about that um and but the things that are brilliant about it and there is so much that is brilliant about it for me well outweigh the things that are tricky and stressful and and the job itself can be tricky and stressful trying to build a, a life as a practitioner as an actor as a designer as anyone working things it can be really tricky and it's certainly not going to get any easier over the next few years so I would say be realistic about all of those things. And if it ever gets to the point where there are more lows and there are highs, just find something else to do that you enjoy. Because it, it feels to me that somewhere in it needs to be a sense of joy with it, joy of being with other people, joy of telling stories, joy of community, joy of being able to open up worlds to people. And that sounds very lofty because there's a load of stuff that comes with that that's really challenging. But if it just gets too much, just go and do something else would be, and I don't mean that in an aggressive way. I mean, just don't put yourself through it. So that would sort of be my, that there would be the things. And I think one of the things you can manage or that you have to learn to manage, and it took me quite a long time to work this out is you have to manage yourself. You can't manage what audiences think. You can't manage what reviewers think. You can't manage who's gonna give you work. You can't really manage a career in some ways. Like, of course, you can make a series of choices, but it's a bit of luck. It's a bit of talent. It's a bit of being in the right place at the right time. It's a bit of accident. Um, so it's a little bit, and that's not to be disempowering, but you can be in charge of yourself. You can be in charge of the work you make, the people you work with. You can be in charge of the way you behave. You can be in charge of the stories that you put on stage and what you think is important and what is not. You can be in charge of how of managing how you feel about things, of knowing that you'll feel simultaneously like a success and a failure most of the time when you're watching your own work. I for me, and I just completely accept that now. And that there are and that there are highs and that there are lows. That's what I would say. You that would be my that would if it sounds quite lofty to call it advice, but that would be what I would say I have learned. And you have to keep learning that. You don't learn it and it's concrete. You relearn it all of the time. And that is one of the beautiful things about theatre. You're always starting again. You're always renewing. You're always learning something new because every single interaction with other human beings, you start again. You know, so that's that feels not very concrete, but that's what I would offer. I think that was really good advice. And I do like definitely get you have to have the thick theatre skin because obviously you can't come out on stage and be like, sorry guys, I was a bit sad when I did this scene. It wasn't in the mood, so it's not very good. And then go off. Whereas if like in a, the film industry, I guess you could like retake and retake. It's all live and that's an, an extra layer in itself. That was good advice. Yeah, and I not think lofty. <laughs> I know I, I remember, you know, I've often asked actors I work with about this. And say what when you have an off day you know when you're just not feeling it you're just a bit tired or you don't want to be there or you've had a stressful day and they said that they said that you just you learn to act it do you know what I mean and you learn also to let it go so when it's done at the end of that show you've not had a great just let it go and start again tomorrow so I think it is that's a really important part of the process is being able to let some of that stuff go I think as well I would just say persevere uh try 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 again like if you fall down five times get up six get like just and like go to auditions and even if you don't get them it's great experience I've been to so many and it gets to a point in your head where you're going oh my god like but it's great experience because when you first start and I definitely found this for me it might not be the same for everyone but I'm such an overthinker so I'll, I'd go to it and then I'd come out and I'd be like oh my god oh my god and I'd have been overthinking it just beforehand. And so I'd panic and it wouldn't be the best work I knew I could do. And if you, some of the best auditions are the ones where you've kind of let it go. And not not to say that like 
it's just release the stress. It's just when you kind of relax into it, they can kind of go, oh, yeah, that's that's her. That's that's what we want. Or, But I would just say don't stress yourself out. It's not the be all and end all if you don't get that one job or that, you know, that one role. It's just, you know, if you don't get the role and maybe you go through a year, put on stuff yourself. Don't rely on don't rely on other people to create work for you. Create the work for yourself because people are always going to come watch theatre. So you like you need to make your own opportunities if maybe those opportunities aren't coming your way. Um, and I I definitely think it's just um, I definitely think as well that's why you like youth theatres are so important because um, I would say some of the highs for me have been like creating and um, and collaborating with my friends who I've met through youth theatres and I wouldn't have those connections um, and be able to call on certain people had I not met them through certain experiences in my youth. Um, so I, I do think that's very important. And I'd say, um, like the more you can go out and obviously not at the moment, but at, like the more you can kind of, um, network with people, it's incredible because someone might hear a job and they go, Oh, that sounds right up their street and send it to you. And it's just, it's, I would definitely say people is your, like people in networking is probably the like the best thing you can do because um they will they they're gonna have your back it is like a it is like a family so to um to just persevere through it create your own opportunities and call on your friends and people you've met at these networking events and call on them and say hey do you want to do a show and most likely if they're not busy it's probably going to be a yes so you know and you'll you'll create memories and you know call up agents and just don't be disheartened because the there is like a lot of no's but um you know you're it sounds really cheesy but like you're one now closer to a yes um so yeah <laughs> just network and vibe just network and vibe your way through life i like pretty that. much it's <laughs> my plan yeah so for me i think obviously like the main part is you've got to get used to being able to to survive without having jobs. So there is always going to be times where you don't have jobs. Um, I went after I graduated uni, I did a few shows, but then had like probably like a four or five month gap where I just didn't have anything. And like during that time, I was just working at a pub and like you sat there going, is this all I'm meant to do? Am I just meant to work in a pub? And it does, you, you do start overthinking things and you do, it does start getting you down a little bit, but it's just all about persevering through, like Esther said, it's, it's, you've got to, you've got to keep your head where you need to be. And the best thing I've, uh, the best advice I've ever had from anyone was always like, no matter what, whether you've got a show, whether you haven't got a show, just keep yourself in shape. Not, it doesn't have to, it, whether it's physically, whether it's like, with your voice if you if you do if you do a lot of musicals make sure that you're keeping up with your singing like even if it's just you singing in the shower doing vocal exercises vocal warm-ups have a bit of a dance in your bedroom stuff like that that's what i'm doing at the minute is like i'm just singing in my shower and um, pretty good acoustics in the bathroom you can find um, and that's what i mean it's just like just make sure that you can keep yourself trained and again with the networking is just every single person you'll meet in a show has a connection to someone else. So I still talk to people that I was in shows like four or five years ago and they're still ringing me now going, oh, I've got this self-tape that I need to do. Can you help me with it? Or, And then if you help them, then they're more likely to help you as well. Um, and also the best thing I've ever heard is you will always need someone's sofa to surf on. So like if you're up in Edinburgh doing the Fringe Festival or something like that, if you know someone in Edinburgh, it's a lot cheaper to go and crash on someone's sofa than it is to end up in a hotel or something like that. So definitely, whoever you meet on shows, just keep in, keep in contact with them, talk to them. Like I'm, I'm doing stuff with another lad that was in Blue Stockings, and so that's what I mean. And it's just you, you you've just got to get in contact with them and keep in contact and keep messaging them. Even if it's like maybe once a month, just keeping an eye on how they're doing or follow them on social media, see what they're doing, take an interest in what they're doing as well. Because at the end of the day, it could benefit you as well. 
The way into the industry is to just make friends and sing in the shower, and then you're sorted. Basically, it's not what you know, it's who you know is the best, is, yeah. is the best one. Who's got the nicest sofa in Edinburgh? <laughs> okay, so then, oh, my neighbours are also setting off fireworks, so sorry if you can hear that in the background. So the next question is, is there anything you have learned about the arts and the industry that you didn't know when you first started out? I mean, I think it, it's sort of a... My response is a bit similar to my last answer in a way, is that yes, because you learn something every time you um, start on a new collaboration. You learn something every time you do another show. Also, the world of theatre, it doesn't operate on its own. It's part of a, the wider society that we're in. So it changes and shifts as the world around it changes and shifts. So the theatre that I started out in and the theatre I am in now um, look very different. Um, it's a very different landscape and particularly at the moment, I mean, who could have ever thought that we would end up in this situation? So it's a really interesting period of time to be talking about things changing in, isn't it? Because things are changing so very rapidly and we're all having to adapt to that as best we can. So I think that um, uh, you, it, it is a form that continues to evolve and continues to, to, to change. And I think that one of the things that I have I think that I've learned or that I think I know now that perhaps I didn't know before is that it's really good to have more experience and it's really good to make a body of work or, or have been in a number of shows or to have made your own work but I think you also have to accept and there's real brilliance in this that every time you start on a new for me a new production you start again because you have a different team it's a different story it's a different theatre and the world is different the world is different to the last time I made a show even if that was two, only two months ago so you're always theatre is about the is about the context that you're in as much as anything else so there's been huge changes that I have seen in the time that I, I've been in theatre and you know more recently we are, are it's been extraordinary to hear much a bit much more diverse and I mean that in every way range of voices on stage to to uh, when I first started out I most actors had gone to drama school most directors and you know it wasn't so long ago um, most directors were that I knew were, were men. And that's very different now. The directors I see around me are not white men who went to Oxbridge. There's still some of them, but it's not, um, the, 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 the large demographic of directors I started out with, that was their background. And I look now at the next generation of directors and it doesn't look anything like that. And I think that is so exciting because I suppose the thing is about being a director is that we decide what stories get told. We decide who tells them. We sometimes work in buildings. We sometimes run buildings. So. We are often in charge of what narratives other people get to see. And I think one of the biggest changes I have seen, and I, I hope it, continu it, it, it continues a long way into the future, is a huge change in the sort of people who are deciding on what those narratives are. There's a long, 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 long way to go, but it feels so much, it looks so much more like the world that I see, and I think we all probably would feel that we live in, than it did when I first started out. So. That's what I, that's one of the biggest changes that I have seen. But I think the brilliance of it is it changes all of the time. It's always evolving and it's always shifting and you are always evolving and always shifting in relation to it. That's so good. And that's so nice about how it's kind of everyone's voices are getting heard now. That's a change that needs to happen. And it's really good that it is happening. I'm glad that you're able to see that happening and it's happening now. So that's made me happy to hear. I feel like I am constantly learning um, and I've definitely learned it's it's not about the end product um, as important as that is and as great as it is for an audience it's there is so much focus on the process of creating a character of rehearsals and I love it I love I, I think in some ways it is more important than the the finished product because it's it's sort of like an iceberg like the majority of the work that you do is under the water but the audience only sees the little bit that's above and they're like oh wow that's so good but they don't realize that you've done weeks of um of like you know vocal exercises and physical exercises and team building stuff and and getting to know the the team that you're working with and just like like everything that goes into it and um there's so many practitioners 
um, that I'd never heard of until like this year. Um, and you learn new techniques and you learn like a different process. And even if you don't particularly agree or you go, oh, that's not for me. It's just, it's there. You go, oh, you know, and you can take what you want from it. And I think it's, like when we were in school, we definitely it was just definitely kind of like his Stanislavski and um, Brecht, and it was very like there, there wasn't a kind of like look here's Meisner or Uta Hagen, and like now that I've learned about those people and like I'm kind of continuing to learn, I'm like oh I really like that I'll take that from there. It wasn't whereas it at the time it was very like this is um, Brecht's process, this is what he did. And we didn't have the kind of wide variety that we did. So it's um, coming out of school and into the real world, so to speak, has like opened my eyes and like to so much more because obviously they have to stick to a curriculum. But when you um, when you kind of diversify that, you get such that I'm trying to, you know, like a, a bundle of knowledge, I guess. I'm trying to, like, um, and you you take what you want from it and if you work with other people that you go, oh, I like what they did, take it, you know? Um, and it might just be like something small. I think I've learned, you know, like give it a go, give it your all and just, um, and strong and wrong is something I've learned as well. If you're going to do it, like just like, if you think, oh, do you know what? I'm going to do this. Don't know if it's going to work. Go for it 110%. Because if you go at 50%, no one's going to be interested. But if you commit 110%, even if they go, mm, not what we're looking for, they'll still be like, interesting choice because you've really committed to it. So I would definitely, I'd definitely say that, yeah, I, when I first kind of started out, I was a bit like iffy. And I was like, you know, is this, is this okay? Is that, is that okay? Is that right? And now I'm like, yeah, just go for it. If it's wrong, they're going to tell me. They're not going to let me carry on and be like, God, what is she doing? She's been doing this for weeks now. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Strong and wrong. <laughs> strong and wrong. I said what you said about Stanislavski and Brecht. Do you still like practitioners in the industry? Is that still like a big thing? You still follow methods in that? So I, I think I work better personally on exercises so I like I've um I've looked at like Meisner who is a um who's a practitioner and he does a kind of it's like a repetition exercise but it kind of frees you up so you the way I've done it is you stand opposite a partner and um you kind of you you see it and you say it so if the person opposite you was kind of twitching you'd be like you're twitching they say I'm twitching it kind of goes on like that until the other someone else spots something else and it sounds really boring but then if you go onto a script from that it gives you a different freedom and it was something I'd never um had the opportunity to, to explore before this year and it's just that kind of freedom and then you're kind of you get into a um a more like conversational way I know I um I think it's about seeing what works for you if it isn't Brecht then it isn't Stanislavski it might you know you might have your own process but I would say don't don't chuck practitioners out the window. They are still relevant. But um, like I think in school, it's kind of like their word is the is gospel. But yeah, find, very much. <laughs> find your techniques and find what works for you. And um, yeah, you won't go far wrong, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so mine then, Tess might absolutely hate me for saying this. Um, but my main one is like when you're in the rehearsal room, um, a lot of people get in that frame of mind that like whatever the director says is what the director wants. Um, but obviously there's a lot of like you do have that freedom to still play at the same time. Um, so obviously I come from like quite a musical theatre background, which where you walk into the room, they tell you exactly how to step, exactly how to sing, exactly how to move and you don't really get much for freedom. But then when you're working in a lot of like, like with blue stockings and things like that, um, the director, yes, they have an idea in their mind of what they want you to bring, but you've also got that ability to bring it yourself. So like if you bring something completely different and the director just goes, actually, I didn't think about it that way, that actually really works. 
Um, and so it's just that whole, you have your own interpretation and every single person that looks on a part will have a different interpretation of that part. Um, so it's just all about you feeling comfortable and obviously you might, exactly like Esther said, wrong and strong, obviously you might go in and it looks absolutely horrible and the director just goes, what are you doing? But there is nine times out of 10 where it does actually come off or like it might actually work in like a future part or like a later date in one of the scenes or something like that. So it's just all about having that confidence to not be afraid to just have a play with your character as well as um, getting everything through. That's nice. I thought we were about to have an over Zoom war then when you said about the directors. You two are next to each other on my screen. I thought I was about to see like Tessa's fist come through onto yours. But no, that's good. So uh, we've got the last question now and it was um, general advice, but I feel like we've had a lot of advice. So I'm going to change it and do like, what's one like strong, like one sentence of advice you'd give to like general advice to anyone wanting to go into the, any part of the industry? Like... It's one strong bit. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, no pressure. Sorry. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? Because I want to be really wise and insightful, but I'm struggling to think of anything that might be, that might be useful. I suppose I would say have good people around you. Find the people you like working with. Know that you will always find people that you like working with. If you're a director, it's really important to have, to be part, to be friends with other directors because it's a very particular job. And sometimes it's really handy to talk to people who really understand what that is. Um, I would say it's really about, I suppose it is about community, isn't it? It's about your community of friends, the community of artists you work with, your community of collaborators, the community you have for five, six, seven weeks when you're putting on a show together. I think you, it is about, theatre is about us being together. So make sure you're together with lots of people because I think that that's the thing that has, and in the same way that I think all of us have experienced discovering theatre and thinking, oh, this, I think this is my thing, or just knowing it, like in, just really knowing in ourselves that this is our thing. I think you can get that with people as well, that these are your people. And that's not about being exclusive. It's not about saying, and you're not my people, but find your people and know that who your people are will keep changing. That is very, very many more sentences than one, but I hope that's useful. It's fine. It was a nice message. We can accept it. And I think actors should be allowed to play around in the rehearsal room. I would like you to think that. I just we just want to tell people what to do sometimes we do but very rare <laughs> for that balance yeah that balance. um I would say look after yourself first because at the end of the day you're marketing yourself as a like product so to speak so you if you aren't like Josh said um oh, he was saying about the um he was like, look after yourself, you know, whether it's mentally, physically, um, vocally. It's, you, at the end of the day, you're, um, even if you aren't an actor, even if you do light, it's just keeping on top of it and making sure that you're okay first. Because if you aren't and you go into like the workplace um, with that kind of mindset and you're kind of like a bit iffy or you're just kind of, you know, having like an off time, um, you're not at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to give the best work that you want to be able to give. So I, yeah, I would just prioritize looking after yourself before you try and go for anything. So yeah. Bit of self-care. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so mine's really cheesy. Mine's just go for it. Um, so obviously if it's something that you want to do and it's something that you feel so passionately about and you know that it, nothing else that you would like no other job would make you happy than just go for it. Like, there's not like I know damn well that I couldn't sit behind a desk. I know I couldn't. I couldn't sit behind a desk. I move too much. I fidget too much. Like being on a stage is what I enjoy doing. Is what I love doing, and it's the passion that is in me. And um, so I know that I couldn't do anything else. So if you're exactly like me or in that same situation, the best advice I can give is just go for it. Good. It is all about cheese. We can have a bit of cheesy go for it. 
that's really nice that was the last question so we're done yay <laughs> thank you all for coming and giving advice it's been lovely <laughs> that's all for today's episode of in on the act podcast thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the episode be sure to come back next week for more theater fun <laughs> bye bye <laughs>